0: Listening to Into the Valley of Phoenix Suns Podcast, a part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, Into the Valley. I am Ethan Shutt, joined on this Saturday morning by Ryan Shutt and Philip Russell, coming off of an exciting game of Suns basketball. Gentlemen, how are you doing this Saturday morning?
1: I can tell you I'm doing a heck of a lot better than the Suns are, that's for sure. Oh, goodness.
2: Philip, how are you, bud? I'm good, man. Uh, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm the the optimistic one in the group now, but I wasn't. What a twist. I'm not in the dumps over what the Suns did this week in particular, and I'm excited to talk about it with you guys.
0: i am I'm excited to hear your optimism because I think that's good, and I think Suns fans in general probably do need a healthy dose of that. And based off of the people that usually cover this team, they're probably not getting that. So, Philip, you're
2: going to really fill that void for them.
0: And I'm excited. Hey,
2: for, uh, for our audio only listeners, Ryan showed up to recording today with a Vikings hat on. So I guess the real question for this podcast is who feels more optimistic right now and who should feel more optimistic right now, Suns fans or Vikings fans?
0: Oh, I'll I'll hit you with my hoodie, too, for the audio. I've got oh, my God. Red Sox hoodie on. <laughs> so between between the Suns, Red Sox and Vikings, there is a healthy amount of disappointment to go around. Uh, the Vikings, everyone's getting hurt at the worst time possible. The Suns, everyone's getting hurt for the entire season in uh, the Red Sox. Let's just let all of our favorite best players go, but then sign one of them and be like, we did it. Look at us. We did it. So that has been my last couple of weeks in sports fandom, uh, not the most fun thing in the world. Uh, but wanted to go ahead and get us back on track and say we are part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Hopefully, you can go check them out and check out some of the written articles there. And also wanted to continue to push Brightside Night, uh, upcoming just a couple of weeks now. Dave and the team have been putting a lot of work into getting that ready. You can find a link in the description on the podcast and YouTube video for that once it's up and running so make sure to check that out. And gentlemen, for those who maybe weren't able to watch all the games, maybe some of our listeners were just being able to keep up with the scores, wanted to do a quick recap in Suns basketball. Buckle up boys, it's a, it's a fun one. Since we last recorded, the Suns have played 3 basketball games, starting off losing to the Knicks 102-83. Following that up Wednesday night with a close loss, 90 to 88 to the Cavaliers. And then yesterday evening, losing to the Heat, 104-96 in another game similar to last week that just had some bonehead, unfortunate decisions right at the end after a whole lot of effort got put into getting it close, which couldn't quite get it done. So I'll go ahead and start with Mr. Optimism. Exactly how everyone in his life knows him. Philip. What are some takeaways this week, and tell Suns fans why maybe we need to be okay as we sit at
2: five hundred? Uh, Tory was great against the Heat; The like, he was really good. And again, you got to contextualize this stuff. Devin Booker will eventually come back. The Suns will most likely be in striking distance of getting to the playoffs. And when you look at a game like Torrey had against the Heat, you look at that and you go, "Ooh." If that's if that kind of energy and to shot making and his finishing in the first half, if that's something you're adding on top of a really good starting five, that's really exciting. And that's like the best of Tory Craig bringing that kind of energy, bringing the rebounding, bringing the finishing, which is a little bit more than we might be used to. So I know right now the Suns are missing some of their best and most important pieces. We've been saying for a while, Cam Johnson is one of the most important pieces. Campaign is extremely important for the team, just being a competent facilitator. And then Devin Booker, it goes without goes without saying. So what you're looking for are what are small ways the guys who are on the periphery of the team can take the opportunities they're being given and either improve on what they already do well or maybe add little wrinkles like Torrey Craig getting downhill and actually taking guys sometimes even off the dribble. So, like that kind of stuff is where I think Suns fans should be focusing because it's like shocker when Devin Booker's out, Cam Johnson's out, and Campaign's out, and then Chris Paul goes out with an injury. Like, you're not going to win a lot of games and you're not going to win a lot of games against really good teams. So instead, this is our guy, David, instead of focusing on results, you got to look at the process and see if there's good stuff that you can be taking away from it.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that. And just for those who maybe weren't able to watch or look, Torrey Craig last night, seven of 11 from the field, two of three from three, nine rebounds and an assist, 17 points total. He was my high for the week. Actually, I wasn't sure if it was just recency bias, but man, it felt like one of very few complete games this week. I will give Chris Paul credit. He had a pretty solid one as well, but Tori edged it out for me. But yeah, Philip, I I think, I think you're right. Um, I also think based off what I keep seeing on the internet, the doomsday mentality, I guess is the one that's kind of winning the day in terms of, We're 500, people keep getting hurt again, we have an owner that won't let things happen, trade deadline's coming, if we don't make the perfect trade, James Jones' legacy is destroyed. I think it's silly, like I think it's a whole lot of overreacting, but you know – the people that are listening could be in that exact camp. So well, I do I, think it's good to for those optimistic
1: reminders of of what's going on and why. I, I see both both points of what you two are saying, but I think there's a place for like micro optimism and macro optimism, right? I think there is room for like micro optimism. Looking at players like Tory Craig who are doing things really nicely right now in the hope of of the potential things to come. But if we're looking big picture, there's a lot of probably getting worse before it gets better. So I think I I normally try and hang my head on the optimism side for a lot of things. I'm seeing kind of a bleak p- picture right now. A- and I think if we're looking large scale of moving forward into the season, a lot of the things that we were hopeful for probably aren't fully going to come to fruition this season. And I think that's okay. It, that's just the nature of what's happened to us throughout the season. Uh, but I think to, at this point where we're at and what we're facing to have a little pessimism is only natural and is probably merited in a lot of senses
0: let's let's go ahead and get let's go ahead and kick off with some optimism let's do things a little bit differently before we just get in a uh, never-ending cycle of being bummed let's go ahead and pull up to the front of the episode the reason that people show up every week. And for our historians of the podcast saying, is this the earliest they've ever done this? <laughs> yes, but special times call for uh special instances in this case, and that is Into the Valleys, highs, lows, and just so you know's in Phoenix Suns basketball this week, and I'm gonna really emphasize the highs here. Let's go ahead and talk highs, and I'm gonna kick it off. One, because Philip already mentioned it. Um and this is where I like that little voice to the back of my head, Ryan, when you're like, yeah, Tori Craig's been doing well. I'm like, well, don't look at the other two games this week. No, so, I was yeah, saying like specifically I know, last I night. Tory Craig last night, I think had the performance of the week on the court. My number two was, and the, you'll find a theme eventually here. Uh, my high for the week is Mikhail Bridges. And you might be asking yourself, Ethan, that's an interesting. That two uh, for so, ten did it for you, huh? It's a choice, yes. Here's my high. Mikhail is healthy. (laughs) I appreciate the heck out of that. That dude is an Iron Man on a team of brittle bone people who are in full body casts like the chocolate guy in Spongebob. Mikhail is still out there shooting poorly, yet still grinding on defense, doing a great job in the pick and roll as the screen man, sealing for other people. He is not letting bad shooting and his entire team... Crumpling around him keep him from doing the stuff that we go ahead and need uh code in the comments too much optimism can make you come off delusional welcome to the show man if you're if you're looking for a show where we're just going to talk about how much we suck probably won't be here but we're also realists to philip's point if you're trying to get to the playoffs and make something happen i I think we're we're a long ways away from all right boys time to tank right? And I'm seeing that get thrown around. So uh, Philip, you can touch on that if you want to, since you're our uh,
2: resident optimist in this episode. No, just if you're listening with us live, or even if you listen on audio only, and you want to message us, call us out if something we says is delusional. Saying Tory Craig attacking the rim is really good and important, especially when he's going to be playing more at the second unit. There's one Mikhail Bridges is healthy. He's still playing hard. He's still productive, even last night when he wasn't shooting well. Like, what we're trying to do is we're not trying to look at the Suns through like rose colored lenses. Instead, we're trying to acknowledge like the some of the key components are out. So, what can the Suns do within that context that has long term ramifications? So, if you think any of that slips towards delusion, Try to call us out and we can argue about it. We can talk about it. Yeah.
1: Uh Ryan, I'll go ahead and go to you. <laughs> Mikhail's is healthy. There is mine. Uh, what you got for your high for the week? Uh, we've already touched on it, and you brought it up. Torrey Craig's performance last night was mine, and, and we've talked about his his numbers, the 17-9, and nine, the 7-11 shooting, the 2 of three threes. but to me, he was just doing the small things right as well. He was attacking the offensive glass hard, which is exactly what you want out of Torrey Craig. Ever since we got him on his first stint with Phoenix, that's the one thing we really praised was how hard he attacked the glass uh, on the rebounds, and I thought he did that really well. Um, But then also he just felt like he was in the right place at the right time or making the right play at the right time. There was one point in the third corner where he caught the ball over in the corner, had a super nice pump fake that freed up him to roll towards the basket, dish it to Aiton for a beautiful finish. There was also this really nice... um, kind of save play where Aiton made a really nice hustle play to save it. And Torrey Craig kind of went Michael Jordan and space jam, it felt like and his arm just extended to the sky was somehow able to bring down the ball that Aiton saved and finished it nicely. So I I thought just all around Torrey Craig's performance uh, against the heat in a week full of a lot of duds uh, was a really big standout. And I was just really impressed to Phillip's point with seeing again, kind of peak Torrey Craig and what could that could mean for the team moving forward. Um, because we've seen him play well. we've seen him fit in really nicely with this team, um, but we need that consistency. Um, uh, but I thought last night was a really good reminder of what he can do uh, when he's engaged in playing well uh, with the rest of the team.
0: yeah, no i it's It's good to see a game where one guy just
1: seems to to have it. And it's hard to care when uh, you're in a slump like this. And right. he really did. Well, and I, felt
0: like. I will say one of my favorite texts I've received from, from Philip in a while and, and Ryan, I'll go ahead and out myself. I didn't, I didn't text you because I knew it was East coast and I didn't know if you were, you were still up and uh, that's miserable. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> uh, my, my text to Philip last night, and I don't know when in the game it was, it says 1045. My text was, this game makes me miss my normal players in which <laughs> Philip said my thought if Dwayne or Tory score 30, the Suns might win. And man, like if that doesn't encapsulate what Tory had to have done last night to pull one out, I mean, that's just that's just the state. That's the state you're in. And that's being realistic with with what is out there. Um, It's one of those things when Suns Twitter is craving for Dwayne Washington when we're like 15 games above 500. It's like a funny, enjoyable thing. And then you get 30 minutes and you're like, oh, no, what have we done to get to this reality? Uh, And it's not as fun anymore. So, yeah, uh, Tori was phenomenal. Uh, Philip, what you got for for your high this week? Uh, I know you kind of
2: got a little bit earlier, but I wasn't sure. The defensive effort was there this week. Okay. It was there. So the Suns defensive rating over the last three games, which is this week's sample size was 106, basically per 100 possessions. That was good for third in the NBA over team's last three games. So if you look at basically this week, the Suns defense performed at the top of the league now, so as to not sound delusional. The problem obviously is that the offense this week was hot garbage. Our offensive rating this week was 97, which was good for 30th, which, if you're doing the math, is dead last in the league. They also trailed the Clippers, who were the 29th worst offense in the league, by 6.3 points over that. So you were 30th by a long shot over over 100 possessions. But again, the defensive rating was there. And it felt like, especially against the Heat at times, that passed the eye test. Even some of the big shots that the Heat hit down the stretch were over good contests. That kind of Mm -hmm. dagger with like a minute and a half left that Oladipo hit. Step back to his right hand, good contest. He was just a bucket last night, and he got it. The The only noticeable weak spots, which again, Loyal listeners know this. We didn't get to watch the Cavs game in full. The weak spots are what you would expect them to be. The Suns are covering for CP3 a lot, especially on rotations. And then Dwayne Washington is not a plus defender at all. And he gets lost and he's not great on um, just one-on-one. Quickly quickly, and Randall and the Knicks, they abused poor Dwayne Washington on Monday. So that being said, At this point, if the Suns can hang their hat on anything, it's got to be the defense. They are missing, and I thought the broadcasters last night did a really good job pointing this out, they're just missing too much offensive firepower for them to run a viable offense for 48 minutes. Because of that, the defense has to lead the way for the Suns to have any chance to win these games. And the Suns had a chance to win two out of the three games this week and had a good chance to win two out of the three games this week. So what that what that does is it kind of brings us back to the margin of error conversation from last week. The margin of error for the Suns to win right now is so small, but the defense was there this week. Pretty much start to finish almost every game. Yeah,
0: I thought the Cavs game was phenomenal, Um, especially after what the Cavs had done recently. Donovan Mitchell going absolutely nuts. Uh, I think they had them held to fifty nine points through three quarters. Like it looked like an ESPN scoring error, Uh, and it wasn't. They were getting open shots and missing everything. Like it, the team was not playing like a team that has lost fifteen of the last eighteen or whatever that number is now. Um, And you know, Tori got interviewed this week about that, and he was like, "The vibes haven't changed." And I, I think, I hope I'll say. I don't think they're delusional as that word continues to take over this episode. I think they have to know, well, yeah, when our five best basketball players are out a lot, we're going to lose more basketball games. Like Tory Craig's not there. Like, yes, I should be able to lead this team to victory with Dwayne Washington and Landry Shammott. Like why would, why get down at the dumps when all you can do is go out there? So (laughs) Chris going down, that definitely just added fuel to the put him in a geriatric home, whatever nonsense It's out there. I hope that's not bad. I think they said it was uh, hip.
1: Hip soreness is hip what hip the, soreness. the report was.
0: Which who knows with his injuries anymore. We'll see. Uh, let's let's hit on some lows, but do it with a smile if needed so that we don't find ourselves in a, a pit. Uh, mine is also Mikhail Bridges. Like I said, I just stick to a theme. Uh, some podcast people think he's hurt and that's why his results have been what they are. I've seen writers say the same thing. Uh, I will say Sam, Sam Cooper put out, I I think it was Sam, a tweet about how many more minutes McHale has played than the next closest son. And it was a staggering amount when everyone is hurt yet. You are not, you will continue to play a lot and have to up your minutes and usage and everything. I I honestly wish the Suns could give him a break. Like I know load management sounds like the stupidest thing when you're 500 and he's not your star player, but I feel like there is a chance you run him into the ground or, just using the minimal medical facts I have from a business degree, when your body is exhausted, the likelihood of injury increases significantly. And that dude is running himself into the ground It's not crazy to think that the shooting woes could come from that because when you looked at the beginning of the season, he was taking the same shots with very similar form and they were falling and now they are not falling. I can't explain it, but it definitely seems like something's going on there and I think it might just be that the guys the guys pooped because defensively I know we talked about the loss of offensive firepower. (laughs) But Booker is a better defender than some of the guys we have out there now. Cam Johnson's definitely a better defender than some of the guys we have out there now. And Jay Crowder's not out there anymore. So I think is being asked to do a whole lot more on both sides of the court now. And he just I think he might be just a little tired. And I, I hate that for him. But again, to my to my one big uh high, he's healthy and I do appreciate that. But man we I cannot imagine what this team would look
2: like if Mikhail were to miss some time as well, so uh, what you got, Philip? Just from an endurance standpoint, so i I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast. I have a background in coaching running as well, and one of the things you talk about when you're gonna go through like a long season where pretty much every single day you're putting a significant amount of stress on your body is you talk about periodization. And you kind of ramp up from the beginning of the season to the middle of the season to the end of the season when you want to run your fastest races. And the idea is like you build up the intensity as the season progresses and you kind of slowly train your body to handle more and more stress. So what from like a physiological perspective, what we might be seeing from Mikhail is that there's too much stress for this time of year. And he might not miss games, but what that could mean in the playoffs or when we get closer to the playoffs post All-Star break is Mikhail can't perform what we might be used to because his body will have been constantly worn down up until that point. So I think that's the risk that the Suns are running by putting so much stress on him. And you hear you hear people talk about like how, stars and really good players kind of ramp up into the season. And you talk about like classic mid season form. That's what we're talking about where Mikhail right now might be experiencing almost playoff stress because of how much responsibility he's carrying.
0: Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't seem sustainable. We still have half of a season left and a playoffs that hopefully we will be in. And I, so, something's got to change for sure there. um, Ryan, you want to hit us
1: with a high or a I'll, low? I'll start you? I'll start my low with a little bit of optimism before being pessimistic. And this isn't um my my low this week isn't anything directed at any one player or performance. It's where we're at. So a little bit of optimism 4 through 10 right now in the West. Are only separated by 3 games. That's huge. That means we as it stands are currently still in in playoff contention sitting at nine, where we'd be in the play-in game. That said, the way we're performing now is not something I'm overly optimistic about, especially if you look at the road that's laid before us. So if you count the Christmas Day game, since Booker only played about four or five minutes in that game, we're two and 10 since Booker went out. He's out on a four-week reevaluation. We're only about a week and a half into that, which means he's out for a while. We're six and 14 in the last 20. And if you look at the next eight games that we have, we've currently lost five in a row. If you look at the next eight games that we have, there aren't any that I would confidently say that's a W. Things are going to get a lot worse probably before they get better. And there's a very real chance that here in the next three weeks, our record looks drastically different. Again, the pet, the optimism is we're still in the mix right now. and And it's a tight race in the West. We're all... But honestly, not incredibly great teams in the West right now. The East is carrying a lot of weight. So there is a chance that we're still in the mix. But the road, at least for the next few weeks that is ahead of us, is very hard. And it's just hard for me to get excited about the future of this team playoff-wise. When you put it into kind of that context of where we're at currently and what's coming up in front of us, our, our slate of of next games. If if I've got go, the list go right ahead, here. go ahead and read that Bobby Marks tweet we retweeted last night from at the Valley PHX on Twitter. So we've got Cavs starting Sunday, Warriors, Nuggets, T Wolves, Grizzlies, Nets, Pacers, Grizzlies. That is a tough tough group of games coming at the worst possible time we could easily
0: be 22 and 26
1: pretty quick and and so i think it's just important to have a little bit of realism uh, about what's coming because we we could be very well in bad shape uh and and that's just something we're gonna have to work through and play through and so that's my low is that's where my headspace is right now is looking big picture at where we're at and what's coming it doesn't look pretty
0: I think you're probably right. Uh, yeah, Bobby Marks, friend of the show, tweeted that out <laughs> last night, um, and we hit it with that retweet. Friend was, of the show. It was like, well, if everyone's freaking out, might as well add a tiny bit of fuel to the fire there. Um,
2: Philip, what you got for your loaf of the week? I I don't know how it can be anything other than the injuries. This, there are so many Suns fans who I see online with unreasonable expectations from this for this team. The reason the Suns are struggling is because they're hurt and they're incredibly hurt. So I don't, I'm don't, i not feeling terrible about any single player who's been active this week on the Suns right now. I don't feel awful about D.A. I don't feel awful about Shamit or Damian Lee or Chris Paul, anyone, because they're not filling the roles that they are intended to fill on this team. And this is something that we've been talking about since cam Johnson went out. Like Tory Craig doesn't fill the cam Johnson role. He can't do that. Landry Shamit can't fill a Devin Booker role. Dwayne Washington can't fill a campaign role and definitely can't fill a Chris Paul role. So it's like keeping the reasonable expectations in mind. The only thing that I'm genuinely down about this week is that the Suns are so injured. And again, this is where, this is where like the optimism versus delusion comes into play. I'm looking at it through the lens of what are these guys supposed to do for the Phoenix Suns? And they're unable to fill those roles because of how injured the Suns actually are. Yeah, no,
0: I'm, I'm, I totally agree. And I want to touch on that in the, gist so you know, in just a moment, but before we get there, let's answer some questions from the comments here. Uh, I want to say again, if you're listening on any podcast platform, you can always join us Saturday mornings on the youtube hit us up in the comments be a part of the show here uh first one is a question from eugenius05 do you guys think it's even worth going after a kuzma or bojan type person uh i will say there has been a very funny run of games the last couple weeks of anyone involved in a sun's trade rumor going off against the suns very funny uh kuz has been great uh Rui has gone off against other teams as well. Uh, I don't think Randall's been involved in a rumor other than a certain uh, podcast (laughs) that we do enjoy listening to, but he's gone Super Saiyan. And then old Max Struess. Oh, we picked him up at the Miami YMCA and gave him a deal a couple years ago, and now he's a good NBA player. That boy can hit some shots too. How are we feeling about a Kuzma, or I would just say that type of player who I would... You you all tell me if you think this is wrong. Um, a third or fourth scoring option on a starting five? Is that an accurate way to kind of describe that grouping of players? Not a complete needle mover, but definitely a, yeah, you've got to start this guy in the playoffs. Is that is that fair? Is that over doing too much credit to those guys. Philip, what do you think in there?
2: It's another playmaker in the Cam Johnson, Torrey Craig role. Right. So I think if you bring in Kuzma, a guy like Torrey Craig is who eventually takes a back seat, but that would be fine. Because again, yep. you're adding another playmaker, which is exactly what the Suns should be doing. So let's say the Suns get busy and make some trades in the next couple of weeks. They already the have, f- they already have busy. He's just not playing a lot. right Nice. Now. Thank you. They are, <laughs> you won't see the full effects of those until February, March, maybe even April, because you're waiting for those pieces to actually fall into place. And James Jones and Monty Williams, and whoever the decision makers are currently for the Suns, are smart enough to know that, like, there's a bigger picture at play here. And it's not who can we get, who can. Add to our scoring, who can we get? Who can immediately get a bucket? It's who can the Suns get who fits into the fully healthy rotation? So that's where the focus needs to be. And I think we've been talking about it for a while, especially off air. Kuzma's the guy. I would love for Kuzma to be on the Suns.
1: And and I think there's two different questions. Is it worth it and is it likely? Uh, Is it worth it? Yes, I think absolutely trying to make that happen is worth it. From what we've seen, is it likely? It seems at this point, probably not, especially with some of the the reports coming out um, about potentially Sarver still having a say in some of these decisions and and some of this that we're seeing and potentially the new ownership not being um, installed until the trade or the the deadline there. Um, Is it likely? In my opinion, no. But is it worth it? Absolutely. Like if you can try and, and figure out a way to make that happen, make it happen. And especially I think Philip hit the nail on the head. Kuzma's the piece kuzma's the piece that i'd love to go see now i I don't think he he necessarily is a a second option as i'm seeing in the the comments i don't think that's uh probably what he does especially instantly Uh, but i think he is a really important piece if you're able to bring him in
2: he would be phenomenal with the second unit somebody who can play off of campaign coming downhill Mm -hmm. on the typical sets that the suns run and then he's kicking out not just to a guy who wants to shoot Actually, Torrey Craig is shooting more above the break threes, which is really interesting, but he's not just kicking it out to a guy like Tory Craig. He could be kicking it out to someone who has real playmaking ability and real finishing ability as well. So I think as on the team, third, fourth, fifth, sixth option, Guzmo would be perfect.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he is of all the guys that I think are realistic in terms of assets to give up that we do have and who people might be interested in. Definitely seems like a good option. Definitely doesn't seem like uh, he has found a a long-term home with the wizards. The wizards seem like they don't know what to do other than pay Bradley Beal in an attempt to keep people showing up. So uh, who knows on that one there Uh, wanted to, to move into the just so you knows here with a little bit of an opening, opening remark here. And this is taking some of what Ryan said and wanting to get your thoughts. So here's what I had put together for the, just so you know. So December 4th, the Phoenix Suns are 16-7. and 7. Since then, the Suns have gone 4-13. and 13. They are now six and a half games back from the first place Nuggets, with these teams ahead of them. Nuggets, Grizzlies, Pelicans, Mavericks, Kings, Warriors, Clippers. Teams that, in my opinion, I don't expect to drop off. I think we're officially far enough in the season halfway through. These teams have shown some sticking power. And yes, you can talk about the Mavs or the Kings, that's fine, but it seems like there's definitely some staying power up there. Among the teams below the Suns, you have the Jazz, T-Wolves, and Lakers, who are all on current winning streaks or definitely have shown a propensity for competing, a.k.a. they're not tanking, they're not going anywhere. Underneath that group, you have the Thunder, who are winning and tanking at the same time, which I love, and the Spurs and Rockets, who are very much tanking. Within the NBA as a whole, though, there are 14 teams with worse records than the Phoenix Suns. The East has some abysmally bad teams who are very clearly losing on purpose or just suck. And looking ahead, the Suns have the seventh hardest strength of schedule remaining behind the Clippers, Magic, Heat, Knicks, 76ers, and Lakers. So the only two teams in the West with harder schedules are the two LA teams. I say all that to say, Given the current standings, the Suns are absolutely planted in the middle of the NBA. There are two fan groups of fan bases or sorry, two groups of fans within the Suns fan base that have been very loud recently. Those that say this sucks, things are about to get harder, we keep getting hurt, why try to win, we need to tank. You also have the other group that says Hey, we're really hurt. We're missing all of our good players. What do you, what do you expect of us? And, and here's my point. Where did we as a group, if you guys recall, predict the sun's finishing in the Western conference this season, when we thought everyone would be healthy and the rest of the league was healthy. Do you guys remember where we had them? We were
2: split between like three, four, five.
0: Three, three four, five was where we three, put them. four, five. That is exactly right. Went back and looked. We thought they would be fully healthy. A safe pick for three, four, five. There'd probably be a couple teams that go off, and that's fine. It happens every year. And the Suns would be there. As of right now, the Suns within the winning teams of the NBA, which there's a way to, to define that, but have the most missed games from starting players. They also have the most missed games financially. If you break it down like Sport Track does, to dollars on the bench per game due to injury. I think the only teams higher. Uh were the Clippers, but that's because they had a few that have not touched the court at all. They've not played at all. And the Magic, who it's just an insane amount of people missing random games and, and adding up eventually. So we're saying that the Suns have have struggled, but it's because the majority of their starters have been out. For those that are saying we should tank. We should we should look at the 1920 Warriors and say, well, look what happened when Clay was out for a season and Steph ended up going out for two thirds of the season. They tanked. They got Wiseman, which, lol, if that's your argument, best of luck to you. And they came back with this young group that they got blah, 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 blah. That's not what we're looking at here. It's not remotely close to what we're looking at here. The Suns, in order to get one of these picks that everyone seems so excited about, in order to do that, it would take a level of losing intentionally of the likes I've never seen. The Suns are planted within the playoff picture, and they're not going anywhere. And they're managing to do that with a hampered roster every single night. So for those online who are doing the, oh, I already see the narrative here, every time Tori or Monty or anyone makes the, well, yeah, How? what needs to change? Well, I wish we were healthy. I wish all of our guys out there. That's called using your brain. That's logic. Like, it's silly for us to be like, hey, guys, Chris Paul misses a month and a half. Book misses over a month. Cam Johnson misses two and a half months. Where do you think the Suns are going to finish? Like, what do you want? They're 500. And if you look at all the missed games, that's pretty stinking impressive in a Western conference that has gotten significantly better part of the reason I mentioned all the teams in the West and how they're doing, there's only three teams not trying. That's it. And it's two and a half. Cause the thunder still confused me very much. Cause Shea Gilgis, Alexander is too good to be a loser. And I respect the heck out of that. The Suns are not tanking. There is no way to do it. If you want us to quote tank and get the eighth overall pick. Great. Good luck to us next year. I don't think that's the way forward. The way forward is. Focus on what you can to Phillips point build around the core roster that you know is here to Ryan's point. This season's not it. There's more basketball to be played after this year. Let's use our brain. Let's make additions that help us not just now, but later and know that Devin Booker's groin will get better. I've already offered him mine. He knows that that's on the table. The team will get healthy. Things will be fine. The golden state warriors were a play in team if I'm not mistaken, the year before they won the finals because injuries happened, things went wrong. They still had talent in their young guys and in their depth in order to make it. And then they were like, Hey, we're, our guys are back. We can, we can win games and we can make a good run. That's not crazy at all. We saw what the Pelicans almost did last year. You make the playoffs, you make the playoffs seeds, seeds don't matter at that point. So If you want to focus on the tanking in the draft, be my guest. Please do it quieter because there's half a season of actual basketball left in which I would like my team to win. I think it's more fun. And I'm telling you, looking at our viewership and our listenership numbers over the last month, people don't like losing. And they don't like listening to people talk when we're losing. And they don't like watching when we're losing. To those that have kept listening, and there's a good number of you, don't get me wrong. Thank you. You care about the Suns and you want to hear about the Suns because we care about the team, not just them winning. And it's been very interesting to see what has happened for the first time in three years when things don't seem to be going our way. And to Ryan, Ryan said it, things are going to get harder the next three weeks. So don't expect a, a miracle pill here. But anyway, my, just so you know, this team is a good team. They're hurt. Let's use some logic. We're not delirious. The team will be better when they have more of their better players on the court. That's my just so you know, guys, thank you so much for attending Ethan's third straight monologue and three straight episodes.
1: Ryan hit me with some, just so you know, for the folks at home. Uh, I, it kind of segues. nicely. my, my just so you know, this week is actually, <clears throat> excuse me, is, um, two predictions. Uh, I'd be more than happy to be wrong about these predictions, but I feel at this point, I've seen enough to, to make, Ruh-roh. these. uh, The Phoenix Suns will not have an all-star. As it stands, Devin Booker is eighth in the guard voting and is out for the next three weeks. So the likelihood of him picking up more votes, being on the bench. Players will put him in. Maybe. But if he's hurt, it won't matter anyway. Right. So I I think the Phoenix Suns will not. The all-star game is February 19th. Book's out for at least probably another three weeks based off of that initial four-week assessment. The Suns will not have an all-star. And I think it's about time that we probably need to start talking about that, or at least thinking about that to prepare ourselves when everybody is hurt because we don't have an all-star. My second prediction is we will be in the play-in tournament. Um, I don't know where we'll fall in that, but I think that's something also we need to probably be preparing for is the Suns will have to play their way into the playoffs. And that's okay. Based on the way the season has has gone, if we're still in contention for a playoff spot that late in the season, that's great. But those are my... That's a controversial thing you
0: just said there. There's a lot of fan bases that believe the play-in tournament is the playoffs, and claimed that their team was a playoff team after being the ten seed. <laughs> I would like to go on record in agreeing with you, Ryan, or nine seed, whatever. Uh, the play-in tournament is not the playoffs. Can can we
1: put like the official podcast stamp of approval on that? Okay, good. <laughs> the play-in is not the playoffs. Say it with I me, guys. Agree. The play-in is not. Yeah, so I think I think we will be in a, in the playoff play-in tournament. And we will not have an all-star. And that is okay because of how this season's played out. Um, that's, that's nothing to be, to be mad or angry about. It just is what it is, and it'll be cool. Philip, what you got for me?
2: I think a lot of the frustration that Phoenix Suns fans are feeling comes from the difference between this year's team and the last two seasons especially. Again, so much of that is due to injury, but I want to throw out a comparison and that is that the phoenix suns are the us men's national team of the nba there's incredible nepotism no 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 and there's
0: blackmail with Black the no, We're going.
2: Bad. we're going on the oh, field stuff oh sorry 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 go ahead they don't have finishing class the suns have played 16 games and 87 minutes of clutch basketball this season which not as many games as the average team but pretty much an average amount of minutes In those 16 games, they've gone 5-11, and the worst winning percentage in the NBA. They're shooting 37.5% from the field in the clutch, which is good for 27th in the NBA. Their offensive rating in the clutch right now is 106.7. That's terrible overall, and it's 18th, so it's not good in the clutch. Their defensive rating is 122.4 which is good for 28th in the league. So they're not really getting stops in the clutch for a net rating of negative 15.7, which is 25th in the league. And again, to contrast that with last year, the Suns played 42 games and 130 minutes of clutch time. They were 33 and nine in clutch games last year. Those were good days. 78.5% winning percentage. They shot 58% from the field, 41% from three. Their offensive rating in the clutch was 131.6, which was good for first in the league by seven and a half points. Their defensive rating was 98.2, which was tied for first in the league, a net rating of 33.4 in the clutch, which was good for first in the league. By 17 and a half points. Insane. Now, again, when your team is injured, you don't have the cohesion that you normally do, especially in the clutch. And you don't have the playmakers and the play finishers that you normally have in the clutch. So if you're looking for like on court distinctions between last year and this year, look no further than this week the last five minutes of the Cleveland game, the last five minutes of the Heat game, the Suns struggle on the offensive end, especially to keep up with what they're giving up on the defensive end.
0: Man, last year was fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That last year, man. I think that if this, if last season was the finals run season where you're like 50 win team, and then you followed up with this, you're like, well, I don't know, Finals run also inflated a lot of expectations. Last year's team was just so good at so many things. And I think I think that's really logical for what we're seeing now because the guys that did that last year are not on the court now during those same last five minutes. Like think of think of the rosters we were closing with last year and how many of those guys have been out there consistently this year. Like it just it just makes too much sense. Um Aiden didn't get brought up I don't think at all this episode. Uh any any general thoughts on him and Mikhail? Do we think do we think injury? Do we think uh anything else? Uh, what I have taken within the last couple of weeks I will say is that I think all three of us have been preaching this whole time. Neither of them are that have that star power that I think some folks wanted. I think hopefully this this stint has made it very clear that looking in the future, Booker definitely does need somebody, some one person to play with. I think it'd be fun to to do some some maybe some free agent searching to see who's becoming free agents in the next year or two, or maybe could be on the trade block to to start having a it'd be a fun little section to see if you could put one person who realistically contract wise could come over. Who that could be? I think that could be fun to see because. Uh, Again, it's fun to talk about a trade, but a Kyle Kuzma, Devin Booker combo weren't winning anything. So uh, definitely, definitely, I think, confirming kind of our own suspicions about this team. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully, Chris Paul's injury is not too bad. We can get him back as soon as possible, because goodness. When, look, when you're when you're watching a game, you're like, man, I miss campaign. <laughs> you know the injury bug is real, Ryan. I know you feel that in like a personal sense. I'm talking basketball where oh, I'm like okay, I okay, miss okay. what Cameron Payne is bringing to the court. That's when you're like, "Goodness gracious what is what is going on uh but guys, I don't have much more to talk about. I think we've already kind of covered the slate of games up ahead of us for the next two three weeks. uh it's gonna be tough i think I think as a fan base. We should try to focus on, uh, as Philip mentioned, someone uh, saying earlier, focus on the process of what we can learn about these guys for what they will do when we have our health and when we have the regular guys back and just try to focus on some of those good things because there's look, there's no fun if you're going to watch weeks of losing basketball just to be upset about it. Don't watch the games. But if you want to watch the game because you like basketball, you like learning, you like seeing what guys can and can't do and how they fit together, then it can still be fun. And you can still watch a game saying, we're probably going to lose to the heat tonight, but I want to see what we can learn about this team. I promise you, it makes it so much more fun to watch and you won't go as crazy because it's really easy to do that sometimes. when you've been spoiled by some great basketball the last couple of seasons, guys, anything to add before we bring this to a close and a quick Thank you, by the way, to those who have been watching throughout the episode and those that are listening as As we bring it to a close. We appreciate uh,
2: you all a whole lot. Uh, but anything we want to add before we wrap this up, guys? If you're living and dying off of Suns wins and losses right now, touch grass. I was going
1: to say, don't let don't let the Suns impact your mental health. This is just a game. It, there's no need to dwell in in angst and anger because the Suns aren't performing. Ryan,
2: you sounded like a life coach earlier though when you were like, "Okay, everybody, we need to prepare ourselves. We might not have an all-star. How do we feel about that?" It's Look, like, I'm
0: I'm trying to you help know us work. He, you through know that. he's right though. There's gonna be stupid outrage like
2: the those, sons don't have an like those are the people right who again at the risk of sounding redundant touch grass. <laughs>
1: I'm just coming at that statement from a more loving approach yeah. that, Hey, there you go. The sons aren't the end all be all in life. They're great. They're wonderful, but don't let it impact your day to day. It'll be all right. We'll get through it. We'll get through it together. I think that is one of
0: the, the best things that we have going on for us is I think folks that, which again, every white guy between age 20 and 40, 50% chance has a podcast. But given that we have a Suns podcast, talk about it for a while every week, I think there is some expectation that if the Suns are losing, we are going to be irate. Number one, there's a whole lot of life outside of Suns basketball and we're enjoying it. But two, if the Suns are good next year, you don't deserve to enjoy that if you're going to just poop all year (laughs) long. Are you gatekeeping the Suns success now? As a dude who watched 82 games of a 19-win season, maybe a little bit I am. Like, things are fine. The amount of talent on this, the amount of talent if we put out our hurt players only, would be remarkable given the healthy guys we had five years ago. I mean, life is good. We'll be fine. Touch grass. Anything else, guys? Is it time? It's time. Go Sun. For Philip and Ryan, I am Ethan. This has been another episode of Into the Valley of Phoenix Suns podcast. out. Yeah.